Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13 Point three inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the Coach Pad and Coach Pad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates. And here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Um, today we're going to talk a little spread option. Uh, and I'm probably, and I should have probably asked him how to pronounce his last name before I started this, but oh well. Uh, coach, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, AJ Knutson. 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 See? Yep. I know I'd mess it up. It's one of right. times I've not mm-hmm. asked beforehand. Uh, he's a consultant in Minnesota. Uh, runs a spread option Facebook page. Is very heavily involved in the gun option, which we'll get to in a minute. But, um, Coach, kind of, can you explain your background before we kind of get started talking the spread option today? Yeah, so for me, from seventh grade to uh, twelfth grade, we ran um, under center split back beer, and uh, and then my senior year, because we were playing a lot of bigger schools, they uh, incorporated some uh, spread concepts, and we went guns. We were also we were under center and spread, and then uh, and with those guys, my coaching staff that. So that was in 2002 when I graduated from high school. Then in 2006, I, I did uh, semi-pro uh, football with Mac, which is where I learned everything, all of, all of his formations. So basically in high school, we learned like two formations. We had under center, which was just two tight ends and a wide receiver. And then we, and then we went to like a five wide receiver set. And those were our two formations. So then when I met Mac in 2006 to do semi-pro, he had a whole entire like, 60 formation set um a passing tree to learn and all that stuff so then in 2006 i also got asked to go coach and volunteer at my high school and at that point in time i run an under center flex bone um which adam thielen's from my high school so uh like to tell coach coaches and people that because uh even though we're running school um he was only like 5 10 140 pounds in high school so um he got all he grew in all you know all of his stuff into uh into college but that's he he's from a high school so so that's where i learned like midline and then we just basically ran veer and toss and then like jet sweep and quarterback sweep we we didn't run like the true under center flexible like that i ended up learning later on so i volunteered there for like 
oh gosh, that was up until 2013. I was all volunteer at my high school. And then, so I did like four years of under center flex bone. And then we went to, then we switched to gun, still ran like uh, midline and beer. But then we also got into some of the uh, power read, the Seagat power read, um, got that from the Minnesota Gophers. So that's when I learned that. So then when I, when Mac moved out to California in 2012, he did a season out there. And then 2013, I moved out there with him and his family. And that's when we put our whole, both all three offenses together and made basically gun spread option football then. And in that first season, we ended up rushing for uh, making the playoffs, having the, the first time the schools made the playoffs, first time they had a winning record. And we rushed for over 4,000 yards that first season with the offense. And then he went to Mountain House after that. And then, so then I moved back to Minnesota. So now I, just, I helped him out on huddle, did all the film breakdown on that. And then I came back and coached at my high school um, here. And then the D coordinator position opened up at the, at the ninth grade. So my head coach is like, Hey, we got this spot for you. It's a one-time deal. Go, you know, you can, we'll have you do it this year. And so I was able to do that was nine and one as a D coordinator for ninth grade. So I always find that important for guys that talk so much offense. It's nice to uh, see stuff from the defensive side. And then after that, and then I got married and had kids and then um, stopped coaching on the field, but still helping Mac online. And then, so then when COVID hit, I started doing my YouTube videos because I had time to do that. And then I realized how much interest there was and like guys just love talking football. So I started jumping on Zooms with guys. And then, um, and then I'm like, okay. So did like the Ron Mackey show. I did the Pat and Go show with Matt Lasker out in California. And then I'm like, okay, now we're, I'm ready to do like my group. I had time and I'm like, let's, let me do the group. And so not, that way, now I'm able to help even more coaches out by doing the group and and stuff so that's brought me up to today so well i mean and there's a lot of places we can go with that and i think i think you've had a very interesting background and then also coaches um if you're interested in his other stuff you can obviously put his name into youtube um and also when we talk about his spread option facebook group here in a little bit um that'd be another great resource for you to find more stuff coaches putting on uh but first kind of like what caused I mean, obviously, you were in the under centers option stuff for a good period of not only playing, but uh, coaching or involved, coaching involvement career. Um, what kind of caused that spur for you guys to switch to the gun option stuff? What was the motivator? Obviously, you've had great success with it, but what was the influencer in that? So with that, I, I think at that time we started getting you. So to go from like to go from like split back to flex bone when they decided to do that is because we didn't have tight ends um to really get to really make outside veer go and when you lose outside veer on that you know you're you know that's kind of like the, the bread and butter play so then they went to flex bone. so i think the reason why we started going to gun then is because of our quarterback and we had a lot more um athletic wide receivers at that time to actually throw the ball to and then um, I was, I got, I got, since I was coaching with those guys, volunteering, I got to go to the coaching clinics down in uh, the cities with them. And that's when we, um, I was sitting in there and then my, my offensive line coach was sitting in there too. We went and saw Tony DeMeo 
So then we uh, we incorporated me and Mac do, and and we also did at my high school then too. We incorporated Tony to Mayo stuff with the cutback and the smart splits and that kind of stuff. So, and then at that time, like I said too, um, the Gophers are down there and, and they talk too. So then that's when um, with Mar when Marquise Gray was there, then that's when we started putting that C gap power read in, which they called cheat. So I think it was just the timing of of the clinics and and our personnel at that time. So then when I got to California, then we already had all that stuff for our already had learned all that. And then everything just fits so well with um with Max um formations in his passing tree already. So okay. Now how I mean, I mean, before I go into your Facebook group before, and then we swing back to the spread options stuff, how formationally do you guys still get with formations wise, especially given the the evolution of football the past 15 years with the advancement of no huddle and hurry up and signals. How heavy do you guys get with formation still um, to, to influence, or is it a lot more, okay, we're in a couple sets and we're going? So for us with formations, like when I talk about it, um, guys, sometimes guys give me hard time and, and stuff, but we have like 60. But basically it just comes down to tags and then the defense will dictate. So for instance, like motion, let's say they blitz motion backside. So if they're just going to blitz motion, then why motion, right? Then we know that the house is coming unless we got an answer for that. Some will just get our two back sets. So and then basically ours is just going by where the tight end lines up. Like pro, he's on the line. Ram, he's one by one. Flex, he's four by one off the line. Um, so we're just moving our tight ends, tight end around um, to get the different alignments. But basically a lot of it has to do with, with the uh, defense as well. So like if they're in a 4-2, or basically let's say their, their base is four, four, then we want, we don't want them. We don't want eight guys in the box. So then we're going to spread them out and we'll go to like a two by two, which we call shoot. Some guys call it deuce. Some guys call it doubles, but anyway, we want to get those outside linebackers, you know, away from the run box. Um, and then like a three, four, since they're going to probably have seven, we get cover zero a lot. Then we're going to have to bring in a tight end, either on the line or one by one. And then that's going to bring us into maybe going three by one and see what they, where they are going to adjust their safeties. But on average, when I got to break down that full season in 2013, when we started this, we used on average 14 different formations a game. Okay. So the most we ever did was 20 in one game. Um, I think the lowest was eight, but yeah, we definitely like to use formations to our advantage as much as possible. And that's just by watching film. So. Now, before, before we get back into some more spread option stuff like you i mean you've obviously created a great resource with the spread option facebook group do you want to talk about a little bit why why that is and kind of what you kind of share on there currently so coaches can kind of be aware of it if they're not already a part of it yeah so the reason why i did that is because i i just like i i gained a lot of interest in the other groups i see i saw how they were ran so i, I kind of got to learn all that first before i decided to do it and then it's an open book. So I just started with, you know, that asked you like the why. So I put in the why. And then I started with uh, formations for everybody. And then I, I put in right now I have in, I think I have all 16 runs in there. So I have all the play sheets in there. Um, three, four different ways to die of diagrams for them. Um, I go in there and ask questions every day to get input. So, and then I also have in there how to install the offense too. I've got the first six practices in there 
I'll, I'll do all 10. Um, I'm going to start putting in, working on putting in drills. I have a couple of drills in there now, but I think that's where I need to start uh, going with it. So guys can um, work on their position drills and what we like to do, give a breakdown of that. So it, it's got everything on the offensive side that, uh, that they need to know to install the offense completely from formations, to plays, to diagrams, to install. So now, I mean, and you mentioned 16 different plays there. What are the, and, and we've talked a little bit about this off screen and I've looked at a bunch of your stuff before, but for people who don't know, what are kind of like the, the base four runs that this, your variation, the spread option kind of focuses on? Yep. So for us, what we did is we brought in the flex bone. It's basically the, basically took the flex bone and the split back veer stuff and put it in the gun. And so we our, our first play would be midline, and then we go into inside veer, and then outside veer, and then uh, our D-gap play would be speed and lead option. Um, and then, so like versus an odd front, your midline inside veer has the cutback with Tony DeMeo, and then outside veer is just, you know, just regular outside veer. But the nice thing is, is the footwork from midline, inside veer and outside veer, it's all the same footwork for the quarterback. It just changes a little bit uh, aiming point for the die back. And then when with being on a gun, you don't always have to have a pitch back. So that that's that's kind of a tag if we want them to motion or not. So okay. how much do you add pitch backs to your stuff? I mean, obviously, as you said, you kind of don't need to add that pitch back. Obviously, that could be a, a, a two back set or add a motion to it to add that pitch back. Um, but how mm -hmm. often do you, would you say? That gets added to to add a wrinkle to the offense. I, it's really is kind of a more of a year to year basis. I'd say this year he we hardly at all. Um, and depending on which one you run, if you're if we're running inside veer, you have to have a pitch back. So that's just guaranteed you you have to have a pitch back on that. And then outside veer, you don't you know is where you don't have to. So like for out in California with Max team, he didn't have to run a pitch back a lot because we saw a lot of four two. Um, now coach Favaro in Oregon, he ran, he sees a lot of odd fronts and then odd. So if you're seeing odd fronts and inside here's your place, so you're going to have to have a pitch back. So it really depends on the defense too. Uh, even front gives you, gives you outside of your better and odd front gives you inside your better because you're going from a two technique to a four or five technique further away. Um, your, your dive key is so. Okay. Now, now with, with that. Like, I want to kind of move back to midline. Like, how is the gun option midline different than the under center? Like, what obvi obviously, there's probably some changes. So, what are those changes? Is there any like read changes, footwork changes, blocking? What, what kind of changes with running midline out of the gun instead of under center? So, the big difference for me that really helps is in flexbone. When we the problem is flexbone under center is you get a 4 4 defense, so you got eight guys in the box. So your B back out there has to do that, get that wham block in on the inside. And then we were so small and technical, you know, generally, generally, you know, more, your smaller teams are going to be under center flex bone. So we'd also lead our other motion back in. So we'd lead two guys at a point of attack. So by going to gun, you don't have that guy inside the box. So you don't have to wham block wham block that guy just by moving that alignment over that guy that backer's got to walk out with you if he doesn't you can just throw bubble all day so um but so as far as the guard goes in the center and guard and the tackles 
all that's the same. Nothing changes for the five guys. The only thing is you're eliminating the problems of that outside linebacker, and that's not allowing that outside linebacker and that DN the gap exchange and the beat and the and do a blitz or, or wreak havoc there. They can't do that. So as far as like the path goes and all that, it's exactly the same, which is nice. And the guard's still dipping and ripping inside, getting up to that backer. And it, and then it also helps slow down that read just a little bit too for you. Okay. Now you also mentioned earlier that you, you see a lot of cover zero. Why do you think that is the common reaction for teams to, to switch to? Is it to, to try to keep people in the box? I mean, what has kind of caused people to kind of keep in that cover zero look against an option-based team? I honestly can't answer that. I even asked that in my group to get this asked, like to see if some D coordinators would tell me. Um, I, I don't know. We, I have not been able to figure that out, but we do. And even Coach Favaro in his first year, um, he went he went from a spread zone team to running this running the uh, running going to the triple. He couldn't believe it. He's like he he like he said like I believe you, but he didn't like know if he could believe me until he saw it. And then sure enough, I mean right away the first game, <laughs> he, he saw nothing but man right away, and he he was just in awe. He just couldn't believe it. So then that, that made him change his whole entire passing playbook because of that. Because now you got to go instead of seeing cover two all the time. Now you got to find man beater plays. You know, so um, I honestly I don't know what it is. If it's maybe just to keep their secondary because you always have that threat of us passing the ball on any given down. You just don't know when it's going to be. So, okay, that's what I was kind of trying to figure out. Is like because I mean obviously, if you look because I, I coached, well I've I've coached against a bunch of option teams. And then I also coached uh, short pistol veer and stuff for a year when I was at my alma mater. Um, but the, all, the, I mean, I, the, the instinct of any DC I've ever been around, or even when we were in that short pistol was, I mean, it's probably a lot of cover two or cover three is kind of usually the natural reaction of a defense is keep zone, keep everything in front of you, focus on your option rules. Um, and then obviously don't let anybody behind you play action. Um, you mentioned there kind of how, how much, I mean, he had to overhaul his pass game. How much did that truly overhaul? Did it like from bare bones overhaul or is it really just, okay, I'm going to take out a couple and move some stuff into here. For him, he, I think we're still involving that because with COVID for him, it over the last two years, he's only got to play seven games. So um, I think this, this off season, now that he's going to have a full off season with these guys, he'll be able to, he's going to just change a few concepts and instead of maybe running like a curl route, they're going to run more slants to the inside, you know, and stuff like that. Cause you know, normally curls, you're in, you know, cover three. Well, now that co corner, now you'll, you know, now that's probably not going to work so great. So, you know, just switching, switching up some of the route concepts a little bit. Um, it doesn't have to be much of an overhaul and for like for Mac and stuff, there's, I mean, it's only 20% of our offense. So, I mean, we're not, we're not calling a lot of, uh, a lot of pass plays. So okay. some, some games we've had a couple games where we didn't call any pass plays <laughs> and it's all a lot of gun, which is why I think, and I don't know, maybe it's because we changed so much that they just want their secondary. If they're in man, they can always just line up wherever we're lined up. Yeah. Do I, you know, I don't know. To me, I'm with you. I would, you know, if I saw an option team, you know, I, I would just go, I'd either keep my, my two cover two shell or my cover three, you know, and just keep everything in front and use those other guys. Um, 
the the keep the edge, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> now, I mean, you obviously do. I mean, we talked off air about your consulting work and kind of you helping a variety of staffs around the country. Um, when when you're looking to game plan for this offense, what is kind of your focal point? What are you looking for? Where do you start? What what does game planning look like for this offense? So I I tell coaches I. Like that one guy, he he's like, we're gonna see a basically is what defense you see. If you're gonna see a four two or a three four, because he'll be like, I want to run midline, and they did run midline. They had their first three hundred yard rushing game, um, but he's like, but then he's like, cheat didn't work so well, and and he's like, just because my guard didn't, my guards just couldn't pull, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know, that's one thing nice about the offense is if you don't have pulling linemen, you can still run all those option plays. You don't have to worry about pulling a single lineman. So that's that's one thing, it, basing basing it on your offensive lineman, which I always look at everything from an offensive lineman's point of view, um, being an offensive line coach for eight years. So I'm always trying to help out, help, help out my lineman. And then, so yeah, it's just, then it's just your your box. You know, what, what do you think you're going to see? Are you going to get a three, four or a four, two? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And then right away, bam, I can tell you if they're going to change techniques, you know, what play works best. Um, like I say, you know, you kind of look at it as the ingredients, you, you know, you look at all your play sheets and you see which ones you like against, um, like what you like against a three, four, and then what you're going to like against a four, two, and then a three, three, when you see a three, three stack, which everybody likes that, you know, it's always seemed like it's the hardest to run against. There really is only two plays for us to run against that, but there is no midline. Um, it's just inside and outside of here, basically on that. So it kind of handcuffs you and what you can run. But I mean, really, if you can run inside veer against that and outside veer, that's all you really need. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. No, I, I get it. Like that's, that's always, there's like, now you, I mean, you mentioned there three, four, four, two. Um, how, how, how often over the course of this, have you guys just gotten some that's just out there? I mean, obviously when you, when you're like, I mean, I think gun it helps prevent some of that just out of nature, but I, I mean I've coached wing T or been involved in their offenses, and you'll have teams come out and just like seven one diamonds or just something goofy, um, yeah. as kind of an answer to try to throw you off or to mess with your blocking rolls. How often do y'all still get that since you switched to the gun option stuff? Really, for us, it, it just took us a while to recognize was the cover zero, cover one and cover zero stuff. Cause like what you see on film is you saw them in zone all the time, or I'd always have to look and see, are the flat players looking in, are the corners looking in, who's the safety reading um, that really kind of, that's what really kind of changed it for us. We, you, you know, pretty much defensive line, they're going to line up in their base um, defense linemen. They, they never change, but their secondary definitely changed a lot. So that's really the uh, big adjustment. But once we figure that out, then that's kind of when the offense took off. So that yeah. took, that took us a while at the beginning. Now we just know. So now it's like, now we almost have to adjust. Well, if we don't see man, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, and I think my next part is, and, I, and I'm curious, I'm always curious about this, both from under center option guys and uh, gun option guys is what, how does, how do you efficiently practice the gun option? Because I, I think, I mean, every coach has their philosophy on how practice works. 
what what have you guys have found that have been the best way to especially implement and practice your option stuff? What does that procedure kind of look like? So we call it rear drill, um, something that I've been doing my whole entire life since seventh grade. Um, and basically for gun, then what we do is you put the guy in like in a two technique, you put your extra running back in a two or a three technique. And we basically tell him, you got three things you can do. You can go take dive. You can stand there because some defense alignment are like, Hey, I'm not blocked. What do I do? They'll stand there or come down and take quarterback, you know, come, come down the line. And so we rep that, um, basically twice a practice for almost 30 minutes a day. And so then you're just going to rotate through. And then depending on if you have, if you're going to face an even front or an odd front, if you haven't, if you're facing an odd front, you have a coach stand where the, where the nose guard would be. And then he just points what direction um, left or right. So he's going to work on his sliding and gliding. And, and uh, that's how we get him to work on his footwork going play side or backside. Um, even fronts, he's just going right up that center's butt. Um, so you can add a center in there. So then when you go to inside here, then you're going to add an, uh, another, you're going to take your extra running back or your extra quarterback now, and you're going to add a pitch pitch um, uh, key there. So then again, you're going to tell him he's got three things he can do. Um, go take go take the quarterback, stand there, or go run after the pitch guy. And then and then outside here, same thing. Then you're just, you know, you're just going to move them over now to a four or five or four or five technique or move them into a one or a three. They're still going to do the same thing. Still going to work on the dive key. Still going to work on the pitch. Cheats the same thing. Uno. Now you're going to read the nose guard. So again, we're just, um, and then you're going to work on your timing of your set hut when he's motioning across the, to get that read and work that mesh. So it's, it's beer drill and, and it's basically like 30 minutes every day. And that's in the off season too, because you don't need bags or you don't need to be full pads for that. Anybody can just stand there and make those reads. And so then depending on me, guys, you got, you're going to work on your snap, bring a center over, snap to your quarterback. That's going to work on your mesh. That's going to work on your reads. And that's going to work on your timing of any kind of motion stuff that you do and your pitch relationship. Okay. Now, I mean, I want to swing back around to one thing that you mentioned earlier uh, before we hit your consulting, before we go, um, you mentioned power read earlier and, and power read has an interesting love in my heart. Uh, mostly because I, we ran it one year at Westland and we had a kid at quarterback that was a human bulldozer that I, that I loved. Um, how, I mean, obviously it's not in your base four right now, um, but how, how useful has that been for you over the course of the, your y'all's tenure? And then kind of why is it not one of the base four? Obviously you have your old school veers that were the, the true part of the flexbone offense, yep. but why is that not become one of your prevalent plays and kind of how useful has it been for you over the years? Well, for one, like midline and inside veer and outside veer, they're already kind of expensive because you got to spend a lot of time working on that mesh. And then again, too, now you're asking a guard to pull. So you're going to have to work on that and make sure you can find a guard that can pull and get that, get that, um, get that lead block. And then you're also going to have to now as a coach, you're going to have to worry about, well, is he going to be in a two or a three? And now I got to teach these guys to double team and you're not blocking that play side backer. Now, now you're blocking the backside backer coming across because you got to lead that guy for the pulling guard. 
so that you know you, you're gonna have to spend more time on that to get that and it's a d gap and it and it is a good d gap play but it's it's a little bit slower you know that's we did run that quite a bit this year because mac mac wanted to try it and thought that he could get outside but the match was just too slow it takes a lot of timing stuff you really got to get that sweep coming full speed um i think the reads were 100 right but it's just, and then they were not wanting to go to backside backer and it takes a lot of practice reps just to get that one play down so it's a nice wrinkle especially in like the third fourth quarter because they're not used to seeing that um seeing that play and so um for a couple of years there i mean it would go for 20 to 60 yards every time he called it late in the third and fourth quarter um because guys their heads were already spinning from the first part of the game and then when we start hitting with that on the outside they had no answer for it so Okay. it's kind of a year to year thing again like i said you got to decide are you going to teach your guards to pull and how are you going to teach them to pull because they are the ones that really make that play to me to be honest yeah. so so i mean that's so, so the really the the, the the offensive line you have year to year kind of dictates some of your auxiliary schemes let's just phrase it that way and that stuff you wouldn't normally run whereas i mean obviously you have your base four but it's like if we have certain linemen we can now run x y or z exactly and like for me like that first year when i was the offensive line coach we weren't able to run quick trap even though i had them all summer long like we weren't able to run quick trap to like four weeks into the season because they just needed that extra time and plus i kept having to rotate guards in all the time um just guys i needed that i could count on you know that hey if we call quick trap we're going to get a down down kick and you got to be able to make that kick block and then if we're going to call counter so again it's just more time and having to teach those kids those proper steps and if we're going to run it we've got to you know it's got to get us our four yards because that's our goal if it's not going to get us our four yards then you know it's it's not going to be a good play for us okay so so four yards is like the standard bearer for any run play you do Correct. That's that's our goal is four yards on because three yards is not going to get you first down. Um, the best year was our first year. We averaged ten point four yards a, a carry on the season. Um, I think the worst we've ever done in the last eight years is four point seven. So usually right around we usually right around seven to eight yards a carry um, for on the year. So okay. now I mean, and I want to I'm swinging back to a couple of things because the more I think about what we've talked about is. You mentioned earlier a little bit motions and some stuff and kind of what what your reaction if they'll if they if you motion they blitz the backside guy and stuff like that. How much like obviously you have sixty formations you'll probably run about somewhere between ten and fifteen of them a game. Um, how much do you now also add in motions or shifts with that as well um, to help cause? identification issues for especially like line outside linebackers and inside linebackers yeah so for us for motions we're looking at first we're going to look and see what that backer does what that flat player does if he's going to just shift over or if he's going to try to run all the way across with that motion or if he's just going to sit there and cover grass which that's what we love that's what we're looking to see then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the third level and see if those safeties are they going to just sit there and not run and are they going to roll their coverage 
So if they start to roll their coverage, well then, you know, now it's gonna set up our play action. Now it's gonna set up our counter. Um, and, and then like I said, and then they can blitz motion. So if they're in a blitz motion, depending on our, again, our linemen, if they can handle that blitz pickup, because we worked on that in practice, or if we don't think that that's gonna be good, that's gonna mess up our timing, then we're gonna, that's gonna change our formation then. Now we're gonna run inside and outside beer and midline out of two back stuff. And then usually when that happens, then you're gonna, that also allows the defense to bring extra guys in the box. So you're gonna have to identify and see how you're gonna attack those extra guys in the box. Because when you go pro, you only got two wide receivers. Now you can, you, you can get a four, four or six, two, and you will get eight guys in the box. So. Now, again. I mean, how much now would, would you, I'm gonna rephrase it this way. Cause, cause what, cause what I've kind of deduced as we've gone on this, would you say this is a very if then offense kind of like the wing T um, is kind of where you guys have turned this into like, if we're getting this, we're going to run this. If this is the reaction to this, we're going to do this. Cause I mean, I'm not going to say, I mean, to me, I think every offense has that to a point, but I think some have it more narrowed down. Cause like, if you're in the wing T, if you're getting this front, you're running this. If he's making the tackle, you're going to run that now. Uh, would you say that's kind of where you guys have turned this gun option into? Yes. So I, I teach the one, two, three system, which for some coaches absolutely love. So like, for instance, midline, um, we're going to read one, kick out two. So, and then I tell them, so if one, so basically if that, that first offender, you get up to the line and that first offender, if he's in the A gap, so he's either a one technique or two I, well, we can't run midline or inside veer in the A gap. So then we automatically have to audible the outside beer and which is fine because that's great running outside beer to one or two. I, I mean, that's just an easy down block tackle can down block. Now we got the garden tackle down block and making a wall and we're just veering off of that. So midline inside beer, the, uh, the, the, if, and thens are the same. And then, so then like, so let's say that second defender now, if he's in a four, I, so if he's in a four, I, it's tough. We, our tackle can't release inside against a four eye. So now we're going to audible to a leader speed option, depending on if, if we have motion calls or not, if we have motion call, we just go with the lead option. The motion's going to come, come behind just like normal. And then if it's a, and then speed option, we're just going to down block that guy. Um, depending on where our tight end is, he's going to go wall off the, the inside linebacker and then we'll pitch off the outside linebacker. So yeah, we, I, I do teach that. And then, so then like the thing for uh, inside beer would be, you're going to read one pitch two. outside beer, you block one, read two, pitch three, which is a corner safety. So, and then I always try to teach this, usually the player that's the best at this, that really helps the quarterback is our centers um, because they're up on the line. They can see right where those guys are. And I've had centers turn my quarterback and say, be like, Hey, we need audible to this or audible to that. And they usually are the ones that make the line calls and they'll make a poison call and um, tell them, tell our guys who not to block. Um, I don't matter. It doesn't matter if they, the defense knows the plays they got. They still, it's always double or triple options. So yeah, they, you know, they gotta be very disciplined. So. Okay. Now last question I got for you and I want to kind of give you a chance to talk about it is because you do a lot of consulting work. Obviously, I mean, your work schedule kind of limits what you can do day to day, but um, you're very involved with, other coaches throughout the country during the season and helping them game plan and look at film. And even in the off season, like I said, we've already mentioned your Facebook group, which has a plentiful amount of resources, both from you and other coaches from around the country that gets posted there all the time. 
Um, what, I mean, you want to talk a little about your, what you're doing consulting, um, and how coaches, if they're interested, might want to get a hold of you. Yeah. So, so for me, um, I'm, it's best just to come in the group. You can either leave me a message in the group or on messenger. That's where a lot of coaches get a hold of me. Um, I just, like I said, I just said this one this last week, um, out in Michigan, be like, Hey, I saw you on the run Mackey show interested in your offense. We ran the show gun. Um, but I think yours would fit ours a little bit better. And I've been talking to him ever since. Um, I have a huddle film to send out to coaches too. I've done that. Um, but yeah, just reach out to me on messenger and I'm happy, happy to look at your film. I'm happy to send you a film. I'm happy to send you clips. I'm happy to send you diagram sheets. I've got plenty of those. So if you are interested in this, um, and like with coach Favaro, he did a full install. So I'd set up on zooms with him till two, three in the morning. We, I literally went through his whole entire huddle with on his huddle playbook and did walk through all the diagrams with him. And yeah, I mean that probably 30 hours we did of zoom time, um, setting all that up. So I have no problem with that. I helped another coach. I just, I put it out there and he's just like, um, my offense, the run game just isn't very good. Can you, can you uh, take a look? Sent me his film. Um, he's coaching youth down in Georgia. And I'm just like, how close are your splits? And then um, a lot of teams, like, they don't believe, like, like, our normal splits are three feet. And he's like, man, for youth coaches, they just don't, they're just like, that just seems like so big. I'm like, it just automatically opens up run lane. Your, all, your guard, if he just gets off the ball and leans into that kid, you automatically have a, have a chance to run. So, again, splits are splits are a thing but it's just simple things like that like i like i can look at and just help coaches out if they want it as perspective and the nice thing too i tell guys is it's non-biased like i don't know your players so i don't show no favoritism all i can go by and judge your players on is what i see on the on the film so that's all i that's all that i know about these players so i don't show no favoritism no bias all i can do is look at his footwork and be like hey he's doing this right or he's hey he's doing this wrong or he's leaning too much. He's got his head down. His stance is bad. You know, they just simple things like that. That can just, that can, that something maybe you don't see or you're just not used to seeing. So, but yeah, I'm, I'll help out with anything. I, anything I can, um, just simple stuff. Like I said, I'm no past past expert though. I always tell coaches that like, what do you guys do for pass pro? We don't really do a pass pro. We do like two steps, fire off the ball and get into somebody and the ball should be gone. Cause we just don't, we don't have the time to spend on that. So yeah. our pass pro is not that great. And I'll be very honest. I tell coaches, they'll ask me about like pistol. I'm like, I'm not an expert on pistol. We don't run pistol enough. So I, 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 you know, I don't like make up stuff to be like, Oh, this will work or that'll work. No, I'll tell you if I don't know. <laughs> so I'm very honest about that. I only, I only will give you advice on stuff that I actually know and have done in my last 15 years. <laughs> so coaches, uh, that's another episode of the gap down backer podcast. Uh, please want to obviously check out our sponsors and affiliates, all that stuff's below. Uh, make sure you, if you're interested, reach out to coach, whether it be for consulting, more information, his Facebook group, um, all that stuff can be found below on how to reach them. If there's anything you want to go back and listen to specifically, as always, the tags are in the bottom of the, in the bio and all that lovely jazz. Um, and then that is in our episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.